And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And of course, I have to tell you about our fabulous, fabulous episode sponsors. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. We know. We hear about it all the time. We see it all the time. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. They have a platform to help you manage that team. They're going to help you get your, your technology product off the ground so quickly, so efficiently. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Now, today... I'm actually really, really excited for this conversation, and I have several reasons. I, I do have to tell you, Jessica, one of our Startup Hustle producers, has been hyping up this interview to me for like a couple weeks now. Like, she is so excited. I've gotten so excited. But today, we're going to be talking to Catherine Sanford, and Catherine is Chief Executive Officer of UBCO Electric Adventure Vehicles. Catherine, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Lauren. Great to be here. Wonderful. I, I think it's great that you're here as well. And I'm going to go ahead and kick it, kick it old school, kick it like we kick it. And I'm going to ask you, tell us about your journey, Catherine. Well, I grew up in a small New Zealand town. Uh, I'm the eldest of a family of four and I have three younger brothers. And um, that had quite an influence uh, on my journey overall. Um, over time, I've worked in um, quite male-dominated um, uh, companies and, and sort of work had very male, male-centric um, industries that I've worked in. And so the learning that I had, I think, growing up, um, very supportive uh, parents. Um, my dad was probably the first feminist I even knew. Um, oh, and, that's awesome. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, having having younger brothers was uh, was wonderful training for what I've ended up doing. Uh, across I imagine. My career. Were you, were you a little bit of a tomboy or no? No, I wasn't actually. I was quite a girly girl. Um, okay. And growing up in the sixties, quite protected, I think, by my parents, um, their only daughter. Uh, and so, no, I was probably a bit more of a girl than a tomboy. Okay. Okay. Well, you mentioned that you would you would come up through male dominant in, industries, and actually, you and I share that in common. Uh, so, so my the bulk of my career was spent in aerospace, IT, and automotive. So, whenever I talk to a, a woman who was able to not just survive but thrive in those industries, I always get really excited. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I um, I started my career actually in the uh, in a hospital, um, working um, and supporting um, supporting patients as a medical technologist. But um, after having children, I landed in a in a job in a company called Trimble, um, which was a um, Silicon Valley based public company um, focused in the geospatial industry. <clears throat> I was about employee number four hundred, I think. Um, and one of very few women 
uh, working in the business at, at that point in time. Uh, and so I was there in the end for more than 20 years and uh, the company grew to be really large and I remained one of, um, you know, well, while the number of women grew over time in terms of senior roles, I was one of very few female leaders in the business. Uh, and so it was, you know, an interesting journey. Yeah, I can imagine it. It always is. And and so tell us, tell us about what you do now. So today I'm uh, leading a really exciting New Zealand-based startup. I guess we've probably post-startup. We've been around now for about seven years. Um, so getting into that scale-up phase. Sure. We were about, um, I joined about a year ago uh, in this role, but have been involved in the business uh, since since almost the beginning. Um, I actually came in as an angel investor, um, wrote a mini check um, back in 2016 and oh, wow. uh, joined the board, um, supported the founding team to uh, develop their go-to-market strategy and um, recruit in some of the early team members uh, and then had the opportunity to take on the CE role last year and having you know worked uh, internationally for most of my career, um, having a really solid international network um, and being really, uh, I guess, uh, interested in supporting the New Zealand technology ecosystem to be successful uh, on a global scale. Um, there was an opportunity there for me to kind of leverage skills and, and do something meaningful. Um, plus the team's just amazing. So some really talented folks in you know, different parts of the world. Um, uh, it's been, yeah, it's been just incredible. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. And you, you mentioned the the technology ecosystem that you are operating within. Tell us a little bit more about that. I'm, I, I'm always fascinated to hear that global perspective on ecosystem building and development. Well, I think, um, you know, I worked most of my career with a with a global sort of perspective and I spent 15 years actually living and working offshore and, and certainly the North American technology ecosystem, you know, is quite well advanced. Startups have been around for a long time and, you know, you've had lots of unicorns and, and you know, it's quite well known um, sure. globally, um, you know, the, the funding and investment uh, side of things um, is also you know, well evolved and I guess taking a look at New Zealand I came back for family reasons um, it, you know, the, having been away so long it was just you know something I needed to do uh, and yeah. so I was looking for a bit of a challenge but when I started to understand what was going on uh, here in New Zealand we're probably 10 or 15 years behind what was going on in North America and um, but so much invention, so much potential, um, you know, so much amazing R&D going on in, in the universities and Crown Research Institutes and lots of little startups that had incredible ideas, but really a lack of capability around commercialisation and scale up. Um, we're a tiny you know, set of islands in the bottom of the South Pacific and um, it's a long way to markets if you do think globally. And so there's lots of challenges sure. associated with that. And um, I felt that I had something to offer in terms of experience and bridging, in many ways, uh, leveraging my network, you know, and bridging to um, international opportunity and, and just, you know, ha helping out. So 
prior to this role, I've been helping a number of startups and, and tech companies to uh, understand, you know, what it might take to be successful offshore. Sure. Well, and I love that global approach, certainly, um, you know, technology, innovation, innovation can be found in every corner of the world. So it's really exciting. I, I always love hearing those stories. Now, you have been able to leverage your, your experience and your role within the ecosystem into a, a successful fundraise for, for your startup. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Actually, you know, it looks like you've gone through several rounds of fundraising. We, we have been through several rounds of funding and, you know, with, with all of these things, it starts off with friends and family, um, some early pre-seed money coming in from, um, you know, early believers in the founders uh, and then, you know, getting a bit more formal uh, through angel and, um, you know, early stage investment. Uh, and then we went into a series A round, which was when I was perhaps a little bit more involved in the business and bringing in venture capital for the first time. Uh, and so, you know, the learning there is is that it's all about relationships. Um, you know, you've got to have a great product, a great market opportunity, but the development of those relationships and finding the right fit with investors super important. Uh, and then over time, we've done you know a number of other raises. We're in the in the middle of one now. Um, the market's a bit more challenged. Than it's been historically, just given everything that's going on in the world. But um, sure. again, it comes down to building that rapport with those that you might want to partner with. It's kind of like a marriage, really. It's a long-term thing, so you've got to you've got to get that right. Yeah. Well, and and I'm curious, you know, what are some of the best practices that you employed to build those relationships? Because it, it's really difficult to just build a relationship out of nothing, um, you know. So I, I'd be curious, like, what are some steps that you ta- you have taken to foster those relationships? I think get, getting to know people, understanding what drives them. You know, I mean, it often starts with a coffee and, you know, it advances to dinner and um, and spending time. Um, in, the, in the instance of our Series A round, I actually spent about 18 months courting um, our, uh, our lead Series A investor and actually working for them and a number of their other portfolio companies to really understand what drove them. Um, how they supported the companies, um, you know, what what was important to them. And that built a, a massive degree of trust uh, and ultimately resulted in uh, investment and substantial follow-on investment uh, as a consequence. So that's been a you know, five-year-plus relationship now. Um, and, and so it was getting, you know, it was just getting down and deep uh, and, and building trust. It takes yeah. time. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, you know, when you look at it, it deal flow, um, being able to foster and make those connections and having access, I think is, is a pretty key part uh, of that journey. And, and clearly you've been able to establish yourself very, very strongly to that, to that global audience, really. I mean, you're, you're, you're from New Zealand, uh, but you've worked in different countries, across your career, different leadership roles. Uh, I'm, I'm actually curious. I'm going to, I'm going to drill down on you for just a second. And I hope you don't mind, but what, what made you go back to New Zealand? Um, actually, my mum got sick and my mother was a nurse. Um, she had never had a sick day in her life. Um, you know, we had to be really, really 
unwell to get to be taken to the doctor um when we were growing up um she always sort of took care of us uh she'd been the carer my dad had had poor health you know over a number of years and she'd always taken care of him so when she was diagnosed with breast cancer um it was a real shock uh it hit me harder than I had expected you know I'd been this kind of globe trotter very independent person who wasn't really sure whether I'd ever come home but yeah that, that hit me pretty hard and so uh, it took me about a year to work out how to get back <laughs> and maintain uh, a role within the company I was in and you know and not let all of that go um, and so I commuted backwards and forwards from the US uh, home a few times during that 12 months and ultimately negotiated to be able to continue my job from from here so yeah it was it was a family driver and I I wouldn't have thought that that would be the reason I'd come back but it absolutely was and a fabulous decision to have made because sort of 10 years on or eight years on um, mum is fit and healthy I've got my parents actually you know 15 minutes down the road and um, they're in their early 80s now and uh, it's just joyous to be spending time with them at this stage of their lives. Sure. Well, and I, I'm so sorry that you and your family went through that, but it sounds like your your mom is on the mend. Like she doing well? Yeah, she's great. Uh, okay, good. Yay. Actually, yeah, no, it's actually, it's hard to get an appointment with my parents. Their social life's pretty significant. And while COVID's put a bit of a damper on that in the last little while, um, they're, they're both fit and healthy and enjoying life. So uh, that's wonderful. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that is incredible. Uh, I, and I'm so glad to hear it. Now, now, would you say, you know, you talk, you've talked about your family at a couple of different points here. Would you say that they are often a, a driver for you or a teacher or, you know, how have they been able to impact your journey? I've learned so much from my family uh, over time. My parents were both really hardworking. Um, you know, my mother worked from when I was very young, um, as I mentioned, she was a nurse um, and, and she worked. So I think from a work ethic standpoint and at a time when a lot of women didn't work, a lot of women were stay-at-home mums, um, I had that. Uh, I had her as a role, role model in that regard. And I think, you know, I said my dad was, was the first feminist I knew. He was so encouraging of her being out in the world, doing her thing and making her mark um, and enabling her the, the space to you know to do what she wanted to do with her career um, you know taking care of me and my brothers um, so that she could be out doing that so you know that was that was significant um, my dad had his own business um, and so you know I learned early on how hard it is to run your own business and be a family person and provide for your family um, See, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that you saw an entrepreneur at work, saw how hard it was, and you decided to do it anyway? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. Does that mean you're, you're gloriously mad just a little bit? Just <laughs> completely, completely insane, I think, um, a lot of the time. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I had that um, exposure really early on. And then my brothers, you know, in their own ways have each done their own entrepreneurial thing um and you know that's been incredible um we're we're a pretty tight unit still um I've got one close one a little bit further away and then another one you know on the other side of the world but we get together as often as we can and when we do it's really special 
Yeah, I, I love that. I always love hearing the family stories of entrepreneurs because I think you have to be a special kind of person to, to become an entrepreneur. You know, it's it's one of the I, I always tell people I'm like, it's one of the, the most gloriously difficult, wondrously fabulous things you will ever do with your life. Um, and so, so I, I, I always love hearing those origin stories. Like, how did you become an entrepreneur? And it often, it goes back to family and it goes back to that nurture piece. And, uh, so I, I do have a question about another question about your family. You know, we've kind of talked about their influence in your life, but what about their influence on your leadership style? You know, what, what actually I'm going to ask you a two-parter. I'm going to ask, what is your leadership style and who and how do you think that that came to be? Uh, my leadership style is very collaborative. Uh, I think again, you know, being part of a, part of a family and a you know, bunch of boisterous brothers, um, you know, learned to negotiate and navigate um, that sort of family dynamic early on. I was encouraged to, as a, you know, as, as a little girl and as I got older to, um, you know, to take on things that stretched me and challenged my abilities um and you know I was given the freedom to make choices I didn't you know if I didn't like something I didn't have to stick with it but I would have to be able to explain you know why that didn't work so um I I think I'm I'm a collaborative leader I'm a I, I think I'm a very effective delegator I believe in setting goals and expectations and then allowing people the freedom to to get on and and do their work um I certainly believe in in everyone having capability uh you know that that contributes and that it doesn't all stop with me um I also am a very strong believer in diversity uh of thinking and the the value that that brings to the table and you know in terms of business and, and being successful so yeah I suppose those are some some elements of my leadership style that have helped me get to where I am and where and where did you learn those? So just some of them, you know. I mean, honestly, we don't we don't have the kind of time. I'm sure to like delve into a yeah a long term uh, session on that. But like, you know, uh, you, clearly you got that work ethic from your parents. You know, you learned to speak up around your brothers. Uh, what else? I and I think in corporate world, um, you know, you get lots of training and things. You get lots of access to to helpful tool tool sets. But it's really I'm an applied learner, I suppose, and so. And I'm more of a risk taker than I ever thought that I was. So you know, yeah. jump, jumping on a plane with two infant children um, and going to live in Paris for a year in support of my husband's job at that point in time, actually. But um, you know, not speaking the language, not having any clue what we were going to, never having been to that part of the world before, was a massive risk. Um, it was game changing yeah. uh, in terms of. Uh, us as a family and and what it and has enabled us to do but it also opened my eyes to a bigger world and, and opportunity and diversity and the value that having those experiences can can bear so you know from a from a leadership standpoint I'm also always encouraging of um, of those who I work with to to take on things that might challenge them in ways that are you know quite unique and often extremely scary when you you know before you do it um but will be get you know will be kind of life-changing um 
you know, I think as a female leader in a in a large global corporate, heavily uh, heavily male influenced, um, you know, that provides its own unique set of challenges. You need to find your voice. Um, sure. Probably work work harder than many to, um, or many of your male colleagues to, you know, to be seen and heard in a meaningful way and um you know and it and it takes time um but I think you know one of the the joyous things for me when I left my corporate life was the feedback that I had from many younger females who I really didn't know at all but they had they'd seen me and heard me and watched what I'd done and were really um, positively influenced by that and it was probably at that point that I realized the almost a responsibility that I have as a female leader to, you know, just keep yeah. doing what I'm doing and and to um, continue to be, you know, heard and out there, hopefully making a difference for yeah. the next generations. Yeah, well, going back to something that you said in there, because I, I just, I find it so interesting, and I've mentioned this before on the show, listeners, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, you know, when you're a member of a historically excluded or marginalized um, identity group, you know, one of the things that that gets really frustrating at times, and, and Catherine, please correct me if I'm 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 kind of speaking for you here as well, and kind of speaking for all of womanhood, but you know, one of the things that you have to do is you not only do you have to advocate for your ideas and for your tactics and processes, but you also have to advocate for your own credibility in these spaces. So there's like this additional layer of work that you have to do because you you need people to trust you. People do business with people that they like and trust. And you have to, like, as a woman, I know that I have had to work harder in that vein, actually, than I ever had to work in coming up with the ideas and coming up with the execution. It was more a what work do I need to do to get you to trust me and to understand that I am credible within my field and that you should listen to my advice versus this is the product, this is the service, this is what it does, this is what it can do for you, and this is how it can solve your your pain points and your problems. And so you kind of have this like double-edged opportunity (laughs) when you're working with people. Have you found that or am I just kind of talking out of my ass here? No, I think you're right on the money, Lauren. It's, um, you know, that that's pretty spot on. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's actually helped me um, is that I'm really a generalist and I'm actually interested in just lots of things. And so I can, I can plug myself into, um, you know, different market segments or, um, or conversations and actually have, you know, be interested um, and, and know enough to be a little bit dangerous, um, and, and that's kind of helped. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been really, you know, really adaptable and, and sort of flexible in and around that. So, you know, I I studied chemistry and human nutrition at university. Well, um, and you, know, you have and, ended up somewhere wildly different. <laughs> yeah, although I see now, now I know enough to be dangerous when it comes to battery chemistry, and you know, sure. running an electric motor vehicle company is, um, you know, it, that's come full circle and I find that kind of fascinating and funny all at the same time and people would never guess that I would know anything about any of that stuff but actually I do know a little bit um that's that's been help, helpful you know I, I ran yeah. 
I ran a utilities business and learned lots about um, you know power distribution and transmission and again you know enough to be dangerous um, I remember once I was at the time I was uh, working for an IT firm actually but we were getting ready to move offices and I found myself investigating um, electrical circuits and fire code and like electrical load like trying to figure out how we could get like all of our servers and processors into this office building and I remember just taking a moment where I was like I cannot believe that this is my life I never would have imagined, you know, as an English major in college, like never would have imagined that this would be a part of my reality. But those, so, so I, I've had a couple of bosses that called me a Swiss army knife and it oh, sounds wow. you're a Swiss <laughs> army knife, Catherine. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I, I think that's right. And I, yeah, I mean a little bit the same. I can turn my hand to most things. Oh, yeah, well, and I think, I think it's a matter of, and this is very much a part of the entrepreneurial mindset, but I think it's a matter of, it's not so much, you don't have to know everything, but you have to know how to learn and you know, have to know how to research and you have to know what, what direction to look in to find the information and the tools that you need. And that, that's the key. Like you don't have to know it all, but you have to be able to figure it out, right? I- yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think it also, you know, again, back to trust, trusting that others know more than you do and, and knowing when to ask for help or, you know, to, sure. to let something go and, and let the experts kind of deal with it. So that's, you know, that's an important thing too. But, well, and um, I, I love that. And Catherine, you have given me a beautiful segue because we're going to talk about expert software developers here for just a second. Uh, just a reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale, and they can help you find those experts. You know, if you are a founder, if you're an entrepreneur and you have a tech product that you want to bring to market, but you're not a technical person, Fullscale is going to help you out. They're going to take that load off of your plate. They're going to help you find an entire team of software developers who can help you build your dream product. Uh, When you visit Fullscale.io, you can build a software team quickly and affordably, and they are there to help you do that. Today, we are here with with Catherine Sanford. She is CEO of Ubco Electric Adventure Vehicles. And we're talking, we're talking about a lot of things. Uh, but we've, you know, kind of touched on leadership. We've kind of touched on, you know, Catherine's background. And and I really want to delve a little bit more completely into this whole leadership thing. And I want to ask you, you know, we've talked about some of the challenges that that you have seen over the course of your career, but what have been some of it? What, what are some of the, the great wins that you've experienced? Those times when you were like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur and this is awesome. I want to keep doing this. From a corporate context, I think some of the wins related to um, being recognized as having capability to, you know, to, to take the next step and um, or to be offered the opportunity to go and uh, fill roles in another country or in another, you know, part of the business that were, <clears throat> um, you know, had been held by people that I held in really high esteem and, you know, here I was um, being recognized as capable of, of taking that on. So, you know, I'd see some of those sorts of things as, as real wins. Um, others are having been able to um, enjoy the world with my family. And so, you know, it's it's a little bit abstract when it comes to leadership, but, um, you know, the, the ability to 
uh, go and live in a country um, to expose your your children to things that they might never otherwise get to see. And and you know, often you'll go on a trip with your family and and visit different places. But we had the opportunity as a family to immerse in different cultures, whether that be France, the UK, Germany, uh, or the US over time. Um, and so. Uh, you know, they and themselves are great leaders within their context now um, as a consequence of that experience, and I'm super proud of that. So, um, and I've just learned so much from them in their, uh, on their career journeys. They're both sort of in their mid-30s now and, um, you know, and out there sort of changing the world in their own context. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm learning from them each day. Uh, and they're making me a better leader as a consequence, um, particularly as I work with a number of people who are in that sort of age group and, uh, you know, have their own kind of leadership struggles. So it gives me a context that's that's really meaningful. Um, you know, I think the other, as time has gone on, as being acknowledged as someone who has something to offer and you know part of that's been my doing I suppose and taking on the challenges that I have coming back to New Zealand and getting plugged into the ecosystem and the things we talked about earlier but um, I think there's you know there's some joy in in being acknowledged as having experience that's valuable and um, you know being asked to contribute uh, in in different ways now so um, yeah those are all kind of highlights for me. Yeah, they they certainly sound like it. Those are some pretty significant highlights. Um, now, what about wins for for Upco? What what have you seen there? Like we talked about your your fundraising rounds, but I th- I think I'm more talking about your entry into market and this changing landscape of you know sustainable energy and and vehicles. So I, I'm curious to hear about the Upco journey a little yeah. bit. You know, Upco has succeeded to this point, and you know, as I said, we're seven years in um, by putting product into market very, very early on and taking real customers using the product day in and day out, um, uh, and taking all the feedback that came with that to, um, you know, to to integrate that feedback into the various generations of products. So we're at fifth generation now. And as we really go into the US market, um, as we're doing currently, where we expect, you know, in excess of sort of 80% of our revenue to come from there over the next few years, um, we've found product market fit in a way that I don't think we would have if we hadn't, you know, if we had have just come up with a product and sort of spent, spent years developing it without getting any any sort of market feedback so that's that's one thing um the other is from a New Zealand business perspective thinking global from day one so really looking at the bigger world as providing the opportunity and then narrowing in as we have on on the adventure market in the U.S. as being the place where we can have um, the most impact um, COVID's been kind to us in many ways as a business um, because people are wanting to get out outdoors. You know, they're passionate about being out with nature and, um, you know, and free to roam after being locked down for some time. So um, that's that's playing to our favour uh, in terms of uh, in terms of market success. Um, and you know, we're we're enabling people who perhaps have never thought about being on a motorbike 
um, we're enabling them to have adventures that they never imagined they'd have. So we've got a we've got a vehicle that's incredibly approachable, really safe to ride. Um, it it's we're we're expanding the let's say traditional power sports demographic into a whole you know bunch of users that have never ever um, done it before, or those who perhaps did it decades ago and have become a little bit more risk averse and, and want to want to get back into it. So um, it's you know it's really interesting. I might also add that you know for me, I have had never ridden a motorbike before. In fact, was quite terrified of them. And I am now thinking about getting rid of my car and, and just using my two by two as an You're you're a pro at it now. I like, you feel really, that comfortable. You're just you're zipping around all over the place, huh? I just love it. And you know, and instead of sitting behind the steering wheel and just, you know, driving down to the store for a bottle of milk or, you know, into town, I can get on the two by two and and cruise on down the road with a big grin on my face having this mini adventure and then I can you know get off road on the way home so we've got this um you know this on-road off-road capability that is really is quite unique and um as I say for someone who's uh never ever done it before it's it's really kind of life-changing um yeah lots of fun do you, do you feel like your you know your utility vehicles they're going to be people's gateway vehicles to to even you know let's talk electric cars and let's talk like all of these different technological pursuits like do you feel like you're kind of sitting on the the precipice or on the the leading edge of that there is definitely that potential you know I think people are thinking about um you know the environment and, and and impact and when they've got access to a uh you know to a an electric adventure vehicle where they can get out and have fun. There's definitely influence in terms of what they might do in their, you know, four wheel vehicle as a consequence of that. So we we are without a doubt having influence on on how people think about those things. Yeah, that makes me really happy. Like even you just relaying the fact that you know I'm thinking about getting rid of my car, and I think about like societally how how car dependent so many so many societies tend to be. And so like finding that alternative that's fun, that's, you, you use the word approachable and I love that because uh, it just, it says so much, but that, that is super cool. Um, so how, do, how does that feel? Like, I mean, you're, you're not just an innovator at this point, you're a disruptor. You're changing the way people engage with transportation and, 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 and really it, you're changing the way people engage with their own cities and their own homes, it's, right? Um, yeah, I mean that's super exciting. Uh, I I think don't probably step back often enough and, and think about that sort of influence, but it, it it is. And you know the 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 thing I probably love most is the joy that it brings people. So you know we've sold a lot of product um, over time onto onto farms and into farmers, and sure. then you get these big burly dairy farmers uh, who, you know, have been using a combustion engine farm bike for years and years and they get on the Upco 2x2 and within a matter of hours they're, you know, more relaxed. It's silent and I'd never expected that silence was a thing that we would hear as being a really major, uh, a major driver, but 
it's it, it's true, um, you know, and after the course I would, of the week. I wouldn't have uh, thought about that either, but yeah. think about how how much more fully you'd be able to even engage with with nature with your land like just looking around and you can hear it and you can see it and taste it and touch it and you're a part of it that's really cool 100 percent. and you know you imagine the dog running along beside the motorbike yeah. when you can actually hear the dog breathing and you know you can talk to the dog or um or you can hear the birds uh we've got a number of customers who are using uh, the vehicle in conservation sort of contexts, and so imagine trail maintenance and and that sort of thing. And so, you know, you've got the silent vehicle that's carrying all of the equipment that you need to to maintain a trail. You've got yeah. tourists who are walking along, and they're not disturbed by by a noisy vehicle um, whizzing along the along the track. Um, you can still hear the birds. Um, it's really light, you know, in its footprint. Um, and so all of that is having a really positive impact on people and the environment. And as I say, you know, it's joyous, um, not only getting the feedback, but you see people just really thrilled to be having this experience that they didn't really think, it, I, what did you really I, think I about? I love that. Because really, you're, you're not, whenever whenever I talk about entrepreneurship, I it's one of those things where you want to see, like, what is what is a company really selling? What is a startup really, like, what pain points are they solving? What excitement are they generating? Because the fact is, you're not really selling vehicles. I mean, you are. That's what you're selling. But, like, tactically. But philosophically, what you're selling is that joy and convenience and fun and communication with the world around you. Like you're selling so many things that have nothing to do with getting from point A to point B. Would you would you agree? Like that? I mean, that's kind of what I'm taking from it. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. Yeah, I mean, I like to think of it in my own context as I'm having a mini adventure every time I get. Oh, I on, love that. Your life is full of adventures, big ones and small ones. Yeah, little little tiny ones. So, you know, I can go, you know, five miles down the road and grin all the way, a little bit of wind in my hair and oh, I love it. feeling really, you know, really refreshed wait, and wait, energized. Wait, wait. Yeah. But what about the bugs in your teeth? I need to know uh, about the bugs in your teeth. I've got, a visor. <laughs> I've got a visor on my helmet so it kicks the bugs okay, out. Okay, <laughs> all right. As long as you're protected, that's all we needed. Yeah, yeah, important. Uh, well, so let me ask you this, because Catherine, I know you, you and I both know that not everybody is going to be able to run out and start their own sustainably powered, fun, utility vehicle company. Like, they're just not going to be able to do that. But what you can do and what you have to offer as an expert and someone who's been working around startups and in entrepreneurship for a long time. I'm going to ask you to share with our listeners some of your favorite advice and what are some things that our listeners could take home tomorrow or take home today to do in their lives to foster that adventure or to be a stronger leader? Like what are some things that you've learned that might make their journey a little bit easier? I think first and foremost, you've got to know yourself. Um, I think really understanding what drives you and, and what's important to you um, is a great starting point. Um, and then to trust yourself. So once you've kind of worked out who you are and what you want, um, just get on with it. Yeah. You know, I think um, 
there's there's lots of ideas out there um and you know most entrepreneurs will tell you they have a thousand ideas but you know and, and amongst that there's only one good one so you only know, work on one or two at a time <laughs> exactly yeah yeah can't try and yeah do it all at once um yeah. I mean, you can, I, but then you're going to be in a situation where you're doing a million things and none of them well so don't do that completely so focus is super important restraint restraint focus 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 is good um and engage with others so you know the this diversity of thinking getting input from others um from the beginning you know finding a finding a mate finding some some co-founders is important uh and then i think you know know your customers so that again that focus come becomes important with the two by two we you know we put it out there and into the world and and waited to see what people used it for before really deciding you know where we fit best it's relatively unique in what it does and how it can be used but we've honed in on um, a demographic now that is really tight we understand that customer really well and so now we can target our marketing and um, ensure that we're growing the potential around that persona in a meaningful oh, way yeah, I think that's that's like that's the ultimate market validation, important. though. Really, I mean, that's what you did because really you talked about the fact that you know you actually with the product you actually went to market relatively quickly, but then you were able to kind of take a step back and see how that market would respond before you moved forward on, you know, strategies and and tact- I that's. That's really powerful, Catherine. I don't know if you realize how powerful that is. It, it's super important. And, you know, now we've got more than 3,000 vehicles out there in the world and we're able to, you know, to go and survey customers on a regular basis and find out exactly what they're using it for. And, you know, and and we truly have a cluster um, and, and a significant percentage of those customers who are using it in a very similar way. And so that there's, there's real sure. power in that um, to be able to, you know, to, to grow the business around that persona, but also to consider the adjacencies to that persona that, you know, we can we can scale um, out yeah. into over time and, and really help to grow, you know, grow the business, but it'll sure. but provide more, more people um, with the opportunity to, to have the same experiences as those who are currently loving owners. Yeah. Well, I, I love that, and I have loved hearing your story. And now we are going to come up on my favorite, favorite, favorite part of every show, and I'm going to ask you the human question, Catherine. And usually, I don't let previous conversation inform the human question, but I'm going to throw that out the window for you. Uh, so you've talked about the fact that you love going on mini adventures, and so I'm going to ask you to tell us about uh, if you could go anywhere, do anything, little mini adventure on your Ubco bike, or I'm sorry, two by two, forgive me, uh, on your two by two, what what would you do? Where would you go? There are some amazing, amazing trails in New Zealand. Uh, you can get off-road and, um, and, and go and explore nature and be at one with nature. And so, gosh, is it that there's a number of places that I'd, I'd love to get to uh, when when I have a little bit more time. Uh, right now, I'm um, enjoying just locally and becoming more confident um, to be able to have those bigger adventures l- later on. So oh, uh, awesome. definitely New Zealand. <laughs> definitely New Zealand. 
Very, very cool. All right. Well, I, I love that. And again, I just, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with us, Catherine. It has been lovely getting to know you and hearing about Epco Bike. And now I really want one, by the way. I just, oh, we I need to get you, you one. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're definitely a candidate, Lauren. So All right. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> Well, I, I will look forward to uh, to hearing about that for sure. Because as you're talking, I'm like, I want to adventure. And I know that all of our listeners playing along at home want to as well. So definitely get that wind in your hair, folks. Check out check out Ubco. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to talk to you about our episode sponsors one more time. Uh, I don't know if you have a tech product that you want to get out there into the world that you want to birth and bring to the people, but if you do, FullScale can help. They have the people, they have a platform that can help you build and manage an entire team of experts, uh, take things off your plate, make your life easier, and help you seamlessly roll out that beautiful tech product that you've been envisioning. When you visit FullScale.io, all you have to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At full scale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. And folks, I just want to remind you, here at Startup Hustle, I, I, I don't know if you had heard, uh, but we do have our own very own TV channel. If you go to YouTube.com and put in Startup Hustle, you will find Startup Hustle TV where you get to see Startup Hustle hosts like myself, like Matt DeCourcy, Matt Watson, uh, Andrew, we've got Kyle and Heather and all of these amazing Startup Hustle hosts. We come together, we put ourselves on video. Sometimes it's super embarrassing, uh, but we tell the stories of entrepreneurship and we tell our own entrepreneurial tales. We would love to invite you to be a part of that. So definitely check it out at YouTube. And also want to thank you friends for coming back to us week after week. You are the reason we are here. You are the reason that we do what we do and you're the reason we exist. And we're extraordinarily grateful that you choose to take time out of your busy schedules to listen to us week after week. We hope you keep doing it and we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.